Welcome to ID the Future, a podcast about intelligent design and evolution. This is Sarah Chaffee. Today we have on the show biologist Dr. Ann Gager, and this is part one in our ongoing conversation about a big new anthology from Crossway Publisher. The name of the book, Theistic Evolution, a scientific, philosophical, and theological critique. The book has contributions from several of our fellows, along with contributions from some well-known names in theology and philosophy. The book is making a big splash, and it's a big book. As the subtitle suggests, there is a section on the scientific problems with theistic evolution, and that section focuses on the evolution side of the theistic evolution recipe. Again, that's the first section. There's a section on the philosophical problems with theistic evolution. And then a final section on many of the theological issues swirling around theistic evolution. In my series with Ann Gager, we're going to focus on the first big section of the anthology, and in particular, on human origins. Dr. Ann Gager holds a PhD in zoology from the University of Washington and completed a postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard. She is a senior fellow of the Center for Science and Culture and serves as a scientist at Biologic Institute, as well as Director of Science Communications at the Center for Science and Culture. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gager. Glad to be here. So today we're examining the book recently out, Theistic Evolution. Could you tell us a little bit about what theistic evolutionists say regarding human origins? Can I start by defining theistic evolution? Sure. Theistic evolutionists are people who accept evolution as the mode by which humans developed from lower animals. So, uh, for example, from chimpanzees to, to present-day humans is this is standard story. Now, they are also, for the most part, Christians, so they accept God's role as creator, but they think he used evolution to create. There are some theistic evolutions who go farther than that, who essentially push God to the margins and say uh, he would have started things off, but then been completely hands off in uh, letting things go. So it's contrary to ID in that, well, first of all, we don't specify who the designer is, and we restrict ourselves to scientific arguments, whereas theistic evolutionists are willing and do talk about the relationship between faith and science. And their language can be somewhat deceptive. They're making the, the argument that you can have both evolution and be accepted by the scientific community, and you can have God and the story of, of the Bible, with one exception, and that's human origins. They deny the story of Adam and Eve as historical, and they argue that we evolved from apes, and that's the history, the true history of humanity. And that's why in this book on theistic evolution, which is a critique of theistic evolution, I want to make that clear. It's not something about theistic evolution as a positive case. 
it's a critique of it. We devote three chapters to the question of human origins because it is an important issue that distinguishes theistic evolution from intelligent design. But we don't approach it from the religious standpoint. We approach it from the science. What does the science say? And are they right that there can only have been an evolution from chimpanzees or ape-like ancestors, rather? Now, on to the question. (laughs) Remind me the question, please. So what do theistic evolutionists say regarding human origins? Okay, I've already mentioned it some. They say that there is fossil evidence that is sufficient to demonstrate we evolved from a common ancestor with chimps. They say that the genetic evidence is sufficient to demonstrate that we have common ancestry with chimps. And they say that the population genetics argument is strong enough to say that we had to come from a population of 10,000, never just two. So that's the three main parts of their argument. So is it true that there are transitional fossils showing a bridge between some ape-like ancestor species and humans? That's not a simple question to answer because there are a bunch of fossils out there that are proposed to be ancestors to the human lineage. Each year, it seems, a new one is discovered and splashed across the headlines as revising, revamping, redoing the history of the human lineage. This year in particular, that's been the case. There have been a number of finds which people have claimed have completely overturned what we knew before. And it's usually, to a large extent, hype. So transitional fossils, I was just looking at the chapter in the book, and there was a statement by a scientist that the number of transitional fossils that can be found would all fit in a shoebox, and they are fragmentary. They are sometimes badly crushed, and so it's not enough to build a case between the supposed ancestors and modern-day humans. Let me be specific The Australopithecine fossils, which are the best characterized and the most commonly found fossils, they date back, say, 4 million years ago. They continue to be in the fossil record up to about 3 million years ago, roughly. And then humans, modern humans, appear roughly 2 million years ago. And there is a gap there between 3 and 2 with very little in it. They find, for example, pieces of jawbone, which they interpret to be intermediate between Australopithecines and early humans, but there's not much there. They're continually looking for the missing link. So they find a jawbone and they say, oh, look, this is the missing link. This is evidence for the missing species that should link us between Australopithecines and us. It's just too, too fragmentary to make any claims, in my opinion. Well, imagine you have only a jawbone. You have to imagine the skull and the body. You have no evidence, aside from inference, that the jaw has this particular shape that looks like it might be on the way to being human. That's it. So it sounds like there's a lot of hype regarding these candidates for transitional fossils, whereas the evidence is slim. Okay, the evidence for between... 
Australopithecines in us is slim. The evidence for Australopithecines themselves, there's a ton of fossils for them. The most well-known is Lucy. Uh, She was on tour around the country, I think, not too far distant. And she's well-known because she's one of the most complete fossils we have. Roughly 70%, I think, of her body's, her bones have been recovered And she was considered transitional because she appeared to have some of the characteristics necessary to walk upright, and yet she also had some of the characteristics necessary for life in the trees. Her arms and her shoulders, for example, were adapted to swinging from branch to branch. Like I said, there are lots of bones for Australopithecines. What's missing is what goes from them to us. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Dr. Gager, to talk about human origins. You're welcome. We've been talking about a chapter from the big new anthology from Crossway called Theistic Evolution, a scientific, philosophical, and theological critique. You can find it at Amazon. It comes in at over a thousand pages, But the beauty of it is that you can scan the table of contents and zero in on just those articles and authors you're most interested in. It's a fantastic resource, and you'll find many familiar names there, including Anne Gager, Stephen Meyer, Jonathan Wells, John West, J.P. Moreland, and many others. And check out the endorsements, an impressive number, and some impressive names there as well. I would encourage you to buy it and to recommend it to your university library. Again, that's Theistic Evolution, a scientific, philosophical, and theological critique. For ID the Future, I'm Sarah Chaffee. Thanks for listening. This program was recorded by Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. ID the Future is copyright Discovery Institute. For more information, visit intelligentdesign.org and idthefuture.com.